Thank you for tuning in to Far Better, where we look to be pleasing to God in this life so that our eternity is far better. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and as always, you can find our social media links down below in the show notes as well as our email address if you'd like to email us a topic suggestion or a comment. We'd love to have that information from you. And feel free to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We post content every Wednesday, three episodes. And today is no different. We're going to be closing out our three lessons on authority. We've been studying the life of Saul and the two different instances where Saul disobeyed God and went above God to try to get something accomplished. We studied his life in chapter 13 of 1 Samuel where Saul offered a sacrifice before Samuel had gotten there. And his justification was that Samuel had delayed in his coming, and so that was the reason that Saul offered the sacrifice that he wasn't authorized to offer. But then we also found in 1 Samuel 15 that God had told Saul to utterly destroy the Amalekites. And instead of doing what God said, Saul spared certain things, such as livestock and the king, Agag. And both chapters talk about Saul losing his kingdom as a result of his disobedience to God and his lack of respect for authority. Today, I'd like us to think about some lessons learned from his life, some overall lessons that we can take away. Number one, I cannot go over God's authority, even if I believe that my ultimate goal is good and pure. Think about that for a moment. Saul had stated that he feared the Philistines in chapter 13. That was well documented by him. He didn't want the Philistines to come down upon him, and he needed to make supplication, and so he offered the sacrifice. That seems like a great motive, doesn't it? Can't you think of people like that who, sure, they might do the wrong thing, but, I mean, their motive was pure? Shouldn't that be all that God focuses on is the motive behind it? Can't we just admit and agree that sometimes people have ideas that are contrary to God's word, and that might be okay. You know, there's a problem with that. Because there are many certain instances that occur in life where people had a decent motive, in their mind at least. You remember the Holocaust, right? What was the motivation behind that? Well, there's a superior race, and the Jews are not a part of that, and so... Nazi Germany decided to get rid of the problem. But their motive was pure in their mind. But that didn't mean that it was good. What about 9-11? What was the motivation behind 9-11 but to kill and destroy the infidel? And that is exactly what the religion teaches. And countless people lost their lives that day because of a good motive. What about Columbine? Remember the shooting that happened in Columbine? If you don't, there were these two high school students who had been bullied, and they met each other and began to hang out together on a regular basis and eventually decided to go into the school and to kill as many students as they possibly could, especially those who had mistreated them. 
their motivation behind it was good in their mind. We've been bullied. Let's get back at the bullies. But what they did was wrong. And even if Saul's motivation behind offering the sacrifice in 1 Samuel 13 was good, it wasn't the right thing to do. I cannot disobey God's commands just because I have a good idea. That doesn't make it better. Just because you and I might have a good reason doesn't mean that we would be given a free pass. Secondly, though, I cannot use worship as an excuse to disobey God and His authority. You remember what he said in 1 Samuel 15, right? Well, the people, the people wanted me to spare the livestock and the king. I figured we could use them for worship. Again, this seems like a good idea. And sometimes that very thing has happened. Well, we're going to add this to our worship assembly, and it's going to make our worship better. Or we're going to do this instead of what these people did in the first century church because we think it'll make our worship more meaningful. The motivation behind it seems good. But what had God told Saul to do? Go and utterly destroy the Amalekites. And if you want to know a good reason why anything in worship is unacceptable, ask yourself if it is authorized in the Bible. Don't play the game, is it not authorized? Notice that God didn't say, you can't spare the livestock to use for worship. Though God knew that that was what Saul was going to do. God gave a simple command, utterly destroy the Amalekites. That didn't leave room for anything else to be done. So if the world says this aids us in our worship, you need to understand that the Israelite worship would have been aided in having these sacrifices in the sense of they would have had opportunity to offer sacrifice to God, but it would have been a sinful offering because God had told them to kill those animals, not to spare them for sacrifice and offering. Thirdly, I've got to do all that the Bible says even if I do not like it. I want to do such and such, but the Bible says I can't. Well, that's not fair. I'm going to go do it anyway. Is that true obedience? You know, when I was a little boy and my mother and father would tell me to go do something, sometimes I would go and do it without any you know, huffing and puffing or being frustrated. And other times I would walk away upset. The audacity that they want me to go do something today. But you know, I still went and did it. Even though I didn't like it sometimes, I still went and was obedient. And the times when I tried to buck up against the authority and the times when I tried to not do what they told me to do were the times I had the most difficulty and the most trouble. I might read the Bible and see certain things written in there that I don't like. But that doesn't mean that I get to pick and choose the Bible like a buffet. 
if you want to have this mentality, let me give it to you in another form. I don't want to wear a seatbelt. That's what some people think. You know, I don't want to wear a seatbelt. Okay. That's fine. Be prepared to pay for that. Pay for it how, you might think. Well, the two obvious answers would be you might get pulled over by the police and they might give you a ticket for not wearing your seatbelt. Or the more horrible solution and the more horrible way to pay for not wearing your seatbelt would be to get into an accident and to lose your life because you weren't wearing a seatbelt. You know, you can make the decision to not obey what God's Word says, and I can make the decision to not obey what God's Word says, but I've got to be prepared to pay for it. I've got to be. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we will pay for what we do or don't do dearly. Saul wanted to have the ability to do what he wanted to do, no matter what God's Word had said for him to do. But that's not true obedience. You know, it reminds me of a story my dad used to tell, and still often will tell in gospel meetings or preaching assignments that he has, of a father who died and left a will behind for his two sons. I'm sure this story has been told not just by my father, but I remember it being told by my dad. So the story goes that the father's will is given to his two sons with instructions for certain things to build. First, he told them he wanted them to build a well. And they said, that's perfect. Where dad wants us to build the well, that's the best place we could possibly build it. Secondly, I want you to build a barn, and I want you to put it on this part of the property. Wonderful. But they got to the final thing that their father had suggested for them to build. And they said, you know what? We, we don't really agree with dad telling us to put the house in the front because the well will not be able to be easily accessible between the barn and the house. So we really should probably put the house in front of the well so that the well is in the middle of the property in between the barn and the house. Of the three things that the father asked them to build, how many of them were they obedient to? You might be thinking two, but you're wrong. Because true obedience is not just doing what I agree with. It's doing what I'm told. And if I have a mentality that says, I will do what the Bible says and I agree with, I'm not going to truly be obedient to God. Number four and finally, I've got to own my shortcomings and admit when I am wrong. This is an area that really did separate the lives of David and Saul. It appears that Saul would repent as a last resort, while David would readily admit when he's wrong. Have you ever known someone like that? You get them into trouble, 
with something that they've said or something that they've done and then they apologize? Oh, I'm sorry. Are you really? My dad used to tell me, as I'm sure a lot of fathers would tell their children, are you sorry or sorry that you got caught? Was Saul really sorry in 1 Samuel 13 and 1 Samuel 15, or was he sorry that he got caught trying to go around what the Lord had told him to do? And one of the things that is kind of evident to me in this is the way Saul reacts when Samuel shows up. He goes out to greet him. I performed the commandment of the Lord in 1 Samuel 15. Had he really, though? He hadn't. So how could he even begin to think that he could say that? But then when he was told off for what he had done, <laughs> that's when he repented. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand that David had a moment in his life where he had committed that sin with Bathsheba and basically didn't even remember that he had done anything wrong. And when Nathan comes to him to tell him about what he's done wrong in first, or 2 Samuel 12, David acts as though he still can't remember and is so livid with the story that Nathan tells about this man who took a ewe lamb from someone else that wasn't his to take. David says, let's go get that man. And Nathan simply replies, you are the man. You're the one that stole. You took someone's wife. But you notice what David's response is when Nathan says that to him. True repentance. If you study the life of David, it doesn't take long to find that David was the type of man that did have his own shortcomings and did mess up. But when he realized it, he readily admitted it. But it seemed like Saul was just doing whatever he could do to skate by. You might remember in our first episode this week, we talked about reasons why we don't obey or reasons and ways that we try to get around obeying and understanding authority. And I just want to ask you those things again just very quickly. Do you ask for reasons when your request is turned down? When the Bible tells you no, are you trying to figure out why or are you simply going to obey do you ever give reasons why you can't do a job? Well, I can't obey the Lord in this area because of such and such. Do you ever have to redo a job you did the wrong way? You ever think a job is foolish? God wouldn't really care if we do it this way. Or do you obey whatever you were told to do? The question's simple. The execution can be harder at times, but the question is simple. Will we have respect for the authority of God? Including to the leaders that God has put in place. Will we have respect toward them? Saul didn't, and look what it cost him. His life would have been far better had he simply had respect for authority. I want to thank you for tuning in to Far Better this week. As always, down in our show notes are our ways where you can contact us. And next week, we're going to talk about victory. And so I hope you will tune in for those episodes. It'll be a little bit different than normal. We're going to have about five episodes next week instead of the regular uh, three. 
But I don't think that will be a bad thing. Next week, victory. I want to thank you for tuning in to Far Better, and I hope we please God now so that our eternity is far better.